from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything in between. Alongside Sean Fazan, Juan Kincaid eventually, and John Bennett producing, I am Chris Hagan. And I feel like we should have some sort of like somber music playing. This was not supposed to happen. This was not supposed to happen, Chris Hagan. Yeah, we're all on, we're all over the Saints loss, but before we get to that, a quick request and reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, rate and review it. Tell your friends. Help us spread the word, and if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the Final Play app, uh, and I promise, I'm actually going to go to my emails right now so I can see some of these questions. We're going to get to them. Get them. Uh, so let's get to it, Sean Fazan. Yeah. This was, as you said, not how we saw it going. Um we said it on the last podcast <laughs> that the reason we felt good about the Saints in the playoffs was because a team was going to have to come out and beat them. And that's what happened. It just didn't happen in the manner I thought it would. I thought as well as this offense was playing, if a team came out and beat them, it would have to be scoring the ball. And I know Minnesota's a really good defense, and they mm-hmm. reminded us how good they are. But I just did not see the offense laying an egg like this. Well, what we did not account for in all of our reporting and previewing and research was how much the Saints' offensive line was going to lose their one-on-one matchup with the Vikings' defensive line. The Vikings' defensive line set the tone for the whole game. Uh, and if you want to be honest, the Vikings' offensive line complemented their defensive lines play with by, by winning the line of scrimmage for the most part against the Saints' defensive line. So... Of all the scenarios, that was one thing we did not account for. And look, man, two years ago it was the miracle. Last year it was the no call. This year you just got your butts whipped. The better team, the team that deserved to win, the team that outplayed the team that outplayed their opponent, is the one that's moving on. That's the Minnesota Vikings. The Saints were probably a little fortunate to be in the game late. Mm-hmm. They were not focused on their details. There were just so many little leaky things that happened that they're normally masters at. And that's from the head coach down, and they just they just got beat. And the the team had a clear focus. I thought Mike Zimmer had a, had a pretty good read on what Sean Payton was trying to do. Hey man, this was a thorough, effective, uh, and fair and square beating. But I'll say this: uh, one of the reasons I don't think we accounted for or maybe overlooked the play in the trenches because of how good the offensive line has been all year, despite injuries. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that. Andrews Pete missed time, and Teron Armstead missed time, and Larry Warford missed time. And um, I thought that because of that, and we saw them play well against a defensive line like the 49ers and some others, <coughs> they were good enough to survive it um, and good enough to, especially at full strength, be good enough to handle the Vikings and not look as bad as they were. But um, that was a beating up front, and I saw a quote on Twitter that – Daniel Hunter, after the game, Vikings defensive end said, uh, they borrowed a page out of the the Falcons' playbook, and they decided to attack the interior of the Saints' offensive line Mm -hmm. um, because of the strength of the tackles. And that worked. I also think they beat up on the tackles at times, too. Like, Ramchek wasn't perfect. Armstead wasn't perfect. Everybody got theirs today. Everybody got served on that offensive line today, and it was some humble pie at the (laughs) wrong time of the year. Yeah. They just they just were be in the trenches and um, you know they just it just 
they just didn't have it. And, you know, it, it wasn't like Minnesota was doing anything fancy. You knew what they were going to run offensively. They ran the ball with Dalvin Cook. Um, they Saints could not set the edge. That's where they want to go. They want to run that outside zone. They want to run that toss sweep. And look, man. Um, it, it was comfortable for the Vikings. It was good, clean football, the Vikings. And that's it, what it was, comfortable it was, with. It was, this was not fluky. This was something they earned it. They never and, had to go out and, and reach. And look, for as much as we like to beat up and kind of make fun of Kirk Cousins, he's one of these guys, for whatever reason, when he makes a mistake, the reaction is like a 1,000. Probably a little too much. Troy Aikman even mentioned it before the game. So, you know, sometimes the narrative outweighs the actual, actual player. But for as much as we kind of make fun, the dude made some plays today, made some throws, and did it did enough to help his team win. Juan's here just sitting here. What you got? Well, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I mean, I just think that um, in the trenches is where this game was won on both sides of the ball. You know, we've seen teams – have success in the Saints' defense in the past. A lot of it's been misdirection stuff. Mm. But today, they they got around the edges. And we all we talked about it before the game. We talked about it all week long, that the key to the Saints winning this game began with their ability to stop Dalvin Cook. And early on, they weren't stopping him. He was getting six and seven yards per carry. 94 yards rushing for him. You know, 35 or 36 yards, uh, um, 36 yards receiving for him. So he got his hands on the ball plenty of times. But it made things easier as the game went on for that offense to find uh, a Thielen or, you know, or find someone else down the field to catch a ball from, um, from um, Cousins. I just think that they played the way that they're built to play best. Mm-hmm. I agree. They rely on that defense, which is stout. Um, mm-hmm. Their ends were put, put inside. So we thought that the, the play was going to be where you have right tackle, left tackle going against their right and then left end. But Mike Zimmer changed the game a little bit. And the, ability, the inability for Sean Payton to make an adjustment quick enough is part of the reason why they lost this game as well. I, I just think there's so many reasons why the Saints lost this game today. And it wasn't just in the trenches, but it begins in the trenches. It certainly does. And I, I talked to Sean about this after the game. Fazan, uh, I, I just I find trouble putting it too much on the defense. I really do. And I know Dalvin Cook had a mm-hmm. good game. You know, I... I did multiple stories this week on turnovers, and then I did one, I think I looked at Dalvin Cook's numbers in particular, um, where he just, his numbers, when he, I think when he totals more than 100 yards combined, there's something like four and one, something like that. Look, he, he had a good game, but, but the goal line stand from the Saints defense, and um, the fact that the Vikings never like went off, right? And, yeah. and as Sean was saying, mm-hmm. Sometimes the narrative overshadows the player. I'm a fantasy football guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I know stats, and I know stats don't mean squat a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Cousins is a guy that can light it up. He did not light it up today. Mm-hmm. He did not have his best game, but he wasn't asked to. He wasn't forced to by the Saints. And so... Um, he didn't do 19, 19 passes? 19 passes. I, I think he was asked to do... And at the end of the day, he had to do less than Drew Brees had to do. And Drew Brees should have had, had to do less than Kirk exactly. Cousins. Exactly. That's my point is yeah. that the, the Saints were never in a position to make... Kirk Cousins right. beat them. Beat them, exactly. And that was Which is where what you the Vikings, to do. Yeah, and the Vikings were so comfortable. Like, the, the, where the Vikings want to be is where they were in the first game of the year against the Falcons where they threw the ball ten times. Man. Kirk Cousins was eight of ten. Now, that's unrealistic. That's not going to happen. It didn't happen, and the Vikings had to kind of, okay, we need to open it up a little bit more. But this was probably as close to that to you're going to get in the playoffs. I mean, look at, look at the, the sack Kirk Cousins took late in the game. 
he was able to, on a third and long, just lay down, take a sack yeah. on clock because he ne they didn't have to reach. Mm. They didn't have to do anything. So Kirk not making some plays and being super safe was better than what Breeze did at times, mm -hmm. which is make that mistake with the interception and then fumble the ball late. Yeah, Breeze was, Breeze was not as sharp as he normally is, clearly. And if you're asking who effect who effectively executed their respective offenses game plan, I think you could say Cousins executed his game plan better than Breeze did. The throw of the Ted game was terrible. It was underthrown. It was unnecessary. I don't understand a play call in that scenario. It was over two minutes left. You can bleed the clock, and then you, you just got impatient. It was just a and, bad play. And, and, and the goal regard, is to score and then go into the locker room right. with a score and come back out and get it again. Instead, and they yeah. get the ball, they get a return, and they get a score. So it's 13-10. And you miss a field goal. And, yeah. and, and as you mentioned, they didn't bleed the clock. They hurried to the line right. to snap that before the two-minute warning and gave Minnesota a free timeout. Now, the clock would have stopped in the turnover anyway, but it, was an it wasn't executed Speaking well. Speaking of clock management, Juan, you were not happy with Sean Payton's clock management. I wasn't, and I was going to say what this leads into me saying is that it was a day full of mismanaged clock by Sean Payton. Details, man. Just the, it's the details. Yeah. You know, and in the playoffs, you can't mess up on the details that will get you beaten. Today, you know, they had the ball. They, they had gotten um, – um, the Vikings to punt the ball with about 2.45 on the clock. Got off the field on a third down. Clock is still running, obviously. Saints have a timeout in their pocket. And then, of course, they have the two-minute warning they can use as well. But they don't use a timeout. They let the clock run down to 2.06, which is when the Vikings punted the ball away. Deontay Harris, decent return back to the 30-yard line. But in that time, you lose your two-minute warnings. Mm -hmm. That timeout's gone, and you're back at the 30-yard line. I don't understand why you don't call a timeout there. Go ahead and use your last timeout. Reserve that clock because you can get probably two or three more plays called in the hurry-up offense and then still have the two-minute warning. I see. I, I'm not as – I don't I, – I hear what you're saying. I'm not as concerned with that passing the timeout. To me, he kept the timeout in his pocket the whole game. With the 21 seconds with the fake well, – with the spike and they were called illegal for the illegal shift, he did not use his timeout. Instead – let the 10 seconds run off, basically conceding a shot at the end zone. Use your time out there, 21 seconds, two plays to the sideline. You might, it was, they went to 26 yard line at that point. See, I, I, I'm, I'm back and forth on, on either yeah, one. I, I understand if, 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 they, if they use the timeout and keep 21 seconds, let's say they complete the ball. Like, for example, Alvin Kamara caught a ball on that drive and could have gone out of bounds, but he cuts it back inside. Next thing you know, the clock is ticking. And there was another catch he had where he, he caught it and just backpedaled. I it think to he no thought he was going to get hit, but it's things like that. If, if let's say, Alvin Kamara catches the ball at the 15-yard line, but he doesn't get out of bounds. You're not going to get another play to, 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 to clock the ball. I think we're in agreement, though. Why is Sean Payton leaving the regulation with a timeout in his pocket? Yeah. That, that, you, I think we're in agreement. You had, had to use it somewhere. Right. And that's, that's my thing. Like in, in Juan's instance, um, and not using it before the two-minute warning when he had all that time, the defensive that could be you don't want another 49er situation, right? You, you feel like – 155 is enough. We score and we don't leave time, <laughs> unlike in the 49ers game where they left too much time. In your case, Sean, where he didn't use it uh, to prevent the runoff, I, I would imagine that given the way that they were losing the battle in the trenches, you keep that timeout yeah. because if you do run a play and a freak accident happens and you got to fall on a fumble or um, you get sacked, you still have another that, that way mean, to It's run. risky, and, and let's just say – you, you slip up and you can't get out of bounds. You need the timeout in your pocket. I get it. But, man, you, you, you hate to have that, the, that timeout in your pocket with the game yeah. over at, or the regulation over at that point. Well, the, the one at the 245 mark, I think they should have called timeout. You're not worried about, to me, you're not worried about leaving too much time on the clock because you're working without timeouts after that point. 
I mean, it's a running clock, and you're doing a hurry-up offense, and your goal is to get into the end zone and then be able to rely on your defense to get a stop. And if you have the two-minute warning, and you got I, that I, one I time remember Jim Henderson used to say this. You know, there's a sometimes having the time, you don't necessarily – like, there are ways to stop the clock, you know. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. him saving the timeout, yes, it helps, but also – there are ways, especially if you have the two-minute warning as well. Yeah. Over two minutes, that is an eternity. In fact, that might allow the pacing to go exactly as you exactly. want it. Not too fast, not too slow. But So, yeah, I, I didn't think Sean Payton – I didn't think his play calling was all that good. Nope. Um, I, I thought it took him too long to adjust to figure out what Zimmer was doing. And I just thought – I thought the end of the game, I thought he struggled. So, looking at the bigger picture with this, yeah. Um, I'll ask you guys – in previous years, like 2017, no one expected the Saints to be a Super Bowl contender, but the way they were playing toward the end of the year, they certainly could have gone gone on, but, you know, the Minnesota miracle. 2018, they're considered a Super Bowl contender. The NOLA no-call happened. 2019, this year, they are considered a Super Bowl contender, even as a three-seed, just because of how well they're playing. And they just got beat, as Sean has said a number of times, Fazant. That they, there was nothing fluky. This was just a beating. So I ask you this. Is the narrative at all changed? Is this now a team that you got to prove to me that you can handle these big moments instead of a team uh, that is getting the, the wrong thing happening at the wrong time? Because, I mean, even look at last year, yeah. man. Um, you had a chance to win that game. There was a NOLA no call, but they didn't handle business early in the Rams game. And today, off a turnover early, you get a field goal instead of a touchdown. I don't know if it. In the it red zone. I don't know if it shifts that drastically to a team that can't handle the pressure. To me, it shifts to this team should have more Lombardis. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there was always that. Well, it's hard. It's an uh, th- th- no, no. You should have more Lombardis right now, and and that is disappointing. And to me, you look at this era: thirty-seven wins over three years, matching the 0-9 through eleven, and. So you've got two three-year periods of 37 wins, most of any team in that span, those respective spans, and you only got one Lombardi trophy. To me, that's where the narrative officially shifts to now. It's a disappointment that you, have, that you haven't been able to close the deal. Juan Kincaid. I, I would agree with that. Um, and for a number but, of reasons. Yeah, but I was going to say, but the reasons why they don't have another one is sometimes some of them are out of their control. You know, you look at the Nola no call. I mean, that's the one out of their control. Out of control. Well, yeah, because the Minnesota Miracle – just make, tackle. Tackle. just make a tackle. Just make a tackle. Vernon Davis. Just make a make tackle. Yeah, just make a tackle. So, yeah, I would say uh, they should have at least one more right that's now. One more. That's five, no 13 in three seasons. Beast mode just and make one, a tackle. And one Lombardi. Somebody tackle. John, can you tackle? Think about that. 09, John 11, 18, and, uh, four, excuse me. Four, 13 in three seasons. Well, you know, and it goes trophy. back to us saying, as a reminder, that everything has to go right. You have to get lucky. Well, I, I'm once again it's reminded like of how hard it is. You have how to, special you have, to have some breaks. I mean, 09, do they win the championship? They don't cover their onside kick? Uh, who knows? <laughs> I mean, that's an example that, that Sean Payton made the right call. Uh, but going back to this game today, I mean, this is disappointing because I don't know anybody. Even Mike Zimmer said it on Monday. Yeah. No one thinks we're going to go into New Orleans and win this game. No one but any but the guys in his locker room. It's all that really matter to him. And I don't think any of us thought we'd be sitting here talking about the Saints losing their first playoff man, game. Man, we were thinking Green Bay. We had flights booked. We had everything, I man. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't sure make much do. sense except for the fact that at the end of the day, what happens on that schedule, the only thing that matters about it is that you win the games, put yourself in the best position to win. But even with this football team, playing at home in the playoffs has not been the best position to win. 
You would they think might it would be a be. better road team. They might be. Uh, so, I mean, home has not been good to this team over the last couple of years of the playoffs. Um, it has not. Um, I, I am, I am kind of in the mindset of man. This off season, we're we're going into some unknown waters here because Drew Brees was non-committal on his future. You see some of these questions we got? Uh, yeah, I was just about to get to those. <laughs> read, read that question. A, then lot, a, lot, a lot of people are or a question to say whether it's it, time it, to it, move it, on. Right. It, it, the era is over. I'm going to start with this game's question and then move to okay. the future one. The the first one, this comes from Susan and Picky Yoon. She says, Drew lost this game with the interception he should not have thrown and the fumble of the ball. Do not say next year this was their last chance. And that – I guess brings us to windows and the window of opportunity that everybody speaks of now. Um, and they're aware of it. I got two sides of it in the locker room to Ron Armstead saying um, they're, they're aware of it. And you know, every there's always some window or another. And for his career, I mean, they were talking about windows back in what? 2013 right, right, year when he right. was here. Um, so they've been talking about windows for a while yet. It's still open with the saints. Yeah. And then you got, the other side of it from uh, Demario Davis, who says his he looks at it as individual years, yeah, individual and windows, yeah. and this window is closed on 2019. Mm. But there will be another window in 2020, as in taking advantage of the opportunities you get. I wonder how you guys see it in terms of the future. Do you think there is another chance for this team? I know we have a lot mm. of uh, bookkeeping to do and free agents to sign and some that will walk, but yeah. where do you guys see the window? Look, if you bring the majority of this team back, then yeah, I, I think you can come back and certainly win 10, 11, 12, 13 games. And this division is there for the taking, uh, uh, Exactly. You're in a weak division. A lot of this team, um, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens at quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, does he come back? Um, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy going to get paid. What do you do with Taysom Hill, who's a restricted free agent? Um, so I think if you can corral the majority of your free agents back, then yeah. But they got a lot of them. Andrews Pete, Von Bell. Uh, we just mentioned Teddy. Taysom's a restricted free agent. Uh, A.J. Klein. I mean, the, uh, Eli Apple. You know, say what you want about him, he's still a free agent. So there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And really, we won't know until we know when the season starts. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 it, it does – I walked – I left the Superdome today feeling like, man, this this could be it on, on, on the Breeze era. It could be. <coughs> it could be. See, I, I, I didn't because I think that there's so many good pieces with this football team that's coming back. I mean, we didn't get our best album Kamara the final six weeks of the season. Man. For three-fourths of the season. You better set Fizan on another For three-fourths of the season, we didn't get our best album Kamara for whatever the reason is, whether he's injured or just not playing well, and it happens like that. So I'm a believer that he will play better football next year. I'm a believer that obviously Michael Thomas will not have a drop-off. Like probably not going to be as good as he was this year, right. but he's still going to be an elite receiver. Um, I'm a believer that Jared Cook, another yeah. year in the system, will be just will be There's even better. There's reasons to believe. There's no doubt. Will be even better. And I think Drew Brees, so the way he's playing right now, it's not Brees of five, ten years ago. But he's still, to me, one of the top 15 quarterbacks in this league. And if you decide to not re-sign him, what kind of what kind of uh, free agent quarterback are you looking for then, based on yeah, what's well, that, out that's there? It, the and, fear of the unknown. Well, but, uh, well it's not only that, but, but the guys that are out there right now as free agents. I don't think I'd take any of those guys right. over Drew Brees. I agree. And you're not going into the draft to get a guy early in the first round as a quarterback. So how do you balance look, look, that? We're in this like weird in-between here because Brees still has to decide what he wants to do. He right. sounded like a guy that's coming back, 
but would not commit. I don't, th- I don't think it's an in-between. I think the, the question comes down to how much is it going to cost yeah. to have him back? That's where and it is. And they're tight against the cap. But I'll also. But I don't worry about that. You know how Nick yeah. is. Yeah. I, I, and that's, that's, that's going to be like the, probably the first domino to fall, I would imagine, is what happens with Breeze. But we've also got to remember how they've won games, not just this year when Breeze was hurt, yep. some games when Breeze was healthy, mm-hmm. but like the depth of the defense, the defensive line, the linebackers they brought in, guys like Kiko Alonso. Mm-hmm. They've um, hit all on all. Yeah, hit on The that, guys yeah. they've signed in the secondary. Um, having Teddy as a backup quarterback. There you are bring Janoris so, Jenkins back. There are so many different factors to what allowed this team to win. And so, yeah, bringing Breeze back is great and having Thomas and weapons and Kamara. But we, we've seen a team with offensive weapons and Breeze before. Right. We saw yeah. it from 2014 to 2016. And if the rest of the, play, the pieces aren't in place, if you don't have the defenders that can allow you to win games with field goals or win games with 13 points scored, then the record goes from 13 and 3 to 10 and 6 yeah. to 11 and 5. It's, it's a lot different. So you can't get hung up on Breeze, in my opinion. This feels so much different than 2006. Remember that year when they went to Chicago oh, in yeah. this championship? And they came off the field. You kept, you were thinking. I wasn't even in college, man. Well, I know. But, but they, they, I remember I was at that game. They came off the field, and we were just like thinking. You had a fro back then. They, they, <laughs> it was actually <laughs> juicing. They came off the field, and we were thinking, they weren't supposed to be here. And here they are. And here they are. And so you can just see the, the mannerisms from Breeze walking with his teammates, like just patting each other on the back. We like, got we, this. So next year, we made it this point. It's on and upward from here. This time around, we're leaving the field thinking, man, I don't know if this team can get back to this point and beyond next year because there's so much uncertainty. I just think it's weird that, you know, we're talking, it, what, 13 years later, how it's just the, the differences. And, and the thing is, it's like you play so well all season and then you just don't play well in the biggest game. And it's, just, it's really that simple. And I it's like, how do you explain that? It's almost how as if you, you expected that? it just to happen. There, you know, I think you know we were all a little guilty of that too. Hey, did, oh, we we're gonna were. get through this, and we're gonna get to Green Bay, That's and we got we're, we're thinking our travel plans between uh, the Sunday game and coming back for the Monday yeah. LSU championship, and yeah. it's like, oh. okay. So let me just throw this out there. I told John Here we go. Producer. Here we go. We, we by next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, we could be going from the highs of the highs to the lows of the lows of if LSU you doesn't be, win. Well, you bet. This is a fragile audience. Juan. I know. Do I'm not just say that right now. <laughs> Oh my! You could you, could you imagine? We've gone from talking about ha- talk, chance of Tiger. having Jesus a Super Bowl take the wheel, go and a national championship in the same year, around wrapped around Mardi Gras, to man, what happened? I don't want it to be that way. That's not what I want. What is wrong with it's you? Not what man. I want, Chris Hagen. Hey, what why would you do? Conversation? Are you trying to spark? With <laughs> what are you What's doing, man? Joey Heisman getting it done. All right. All right. All right. All right. Players. Look the. I'll, I'm sorry, I brought Before it up. I get out of this, yeah. <laughs> the last question, and we, we touched on it, but for the sake of giving Alvin his due, Alvin from New Orleans asked, watching all these young QBs around the <laughs> league, do you think it's time the Saints move on from Drew Brees? And we kind of answered that. Juan gave his opinion. He doesn't think no. so. Um, I, I just think it has to be the exact right scenario. There do are you, other things to figure do, out. Do you, based on the way he's played this year, based on the energy that he gives you, do you consider an offense with Taysom Hill? Do you consider it if Bree says, you know what, I'm going to call it a career? I, so Do I you can, consider it? I considered it, and I, I think we had this conversation yeah. weeks ago. Like, if the Saints had won the Super Bowl and, like, 
there wasn't all this pressure on the window that yeah. may still be open next year. <coughs> you could get away with ta- a Taysom Hill experiment year, and if it works, great. If it doesn't and you don't do so well, you're probably in a better draft position to select a quarterback in twenty what twenty one's draft, which would be Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Probably not that bad, but whatever. Um, then maybe you could live with uh, a Taysom experiment, and maybe I- I'd still be okay with it. I don't know. I don't know what that he, looks like. That was his best game of his career today. I thought. Um, I thought he was. But the, he was everything that was great about Taysom. I think was on display: throwing, catching, running. I mean, I I, I just think it's a shame it had to come to that. To me, he kind of he kind of rallied them a little. He was bit. the yeah. only he was to the spark rescue. they had. And I I have a problem with your backup to the backup quarterback being the best quarterback on the field. <laughs> I have a problem with that in the most important time of the year when your coach lets you down and your quarterback lets you down. I have a problem with that. Yeah. And that, that's what that's, that's what I'm going to remember most about this game today is that the two guys that are most experienced in this time of the year that you're going to lean on and look to to get you over the hump, both of them failed the organization yeah. today. And this is getting down the road, but – the thing to consider with Taysom, though, is, is it's not – I don't know if it's the same Taysom without Breeze and Bridgewater on the and roster. And when Bridgewater well, was the, the starter, you couldn't run Taysom as much because he's the next guy. Well, yeah. you can't bruise Taysom yeah. with these powers and sweeps like His whole do. game has to change. He still has the ability to run and improvise. You tweak but, it, yeah. But what makes him good is some of these powers and stuff in thir- second and third and short situations mm-hmm. that I don't think he get away with because he's he's got to stay upright. And I just to say this: if there was ever a scenario where the number two in Taysom is the three happens again, it might be better just to sign, sign another quarterback off the street and have that person be them too. Because to me, it's not worth that Taysom is the number two. He's no. either one or the three. Because yeah. as a three, yeah. he plays a lot. As a three, as a two, he's he's, he becomes a non-factor. Yeah, good point. yeah, that's a very There's good. There's a point. McCown out there somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> There's a Luke out there. He gets you nine points. Luke. That's something. Luke. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, really, we gotta go now. We gotta go, but gotta I go. promise we'll have much more on the Saints because there is more just get to come. Uh, there is more analysis. There are things we have forgotten that we want to get to you guys. Juan, cannot believe the off season. We'll is be here. back. We'll be all right. Hey, you still got LSU, like. You know, eight days, bro. It's all good. For now, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Before you guys go, a quick request and reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Also, please rate and review it. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Tell them we got the answers. We got the analysis. Juan's the only one playing Debbie Downer around Mm -hmm. here. Uh, That gets Donnie Downer. But until then, we will talk to you guys next time on Overtime. At Keesler Federal Credit Union, if it's important to you, it's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer, you're a member. And we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.